Nothing is impossible because even the word impossible is spelled I am possible. possible. Hello, my name is Ben Watara and I would like to welcome you to the first episode of the I am possible podcast. And I'm so excited and I would like to use this introduction episode just to give you a small overview of the podcast, what you can expect, who this podcast is for, what you can extract from this podcast. And I'm also going to give you a small introduction to myself so you know who's talking to you. But before I do that, I want to get into the title of the podcast. I am possible. As you might have realized, the first episode of the podcast was a poem, the I am possible poem. I just dropped the poem without any explanation. And that poem is very special to me because it has a, it, it was, it really marked a big turning point in my life when I wrote this poem, but I'm going to get to that later when I'm going to talk about myself. But first I wanted to talk about the concept. I'm possible. See, I was inspired by this quote. I once heard where they said, nothing is impossible because even the word impossible is spelled. I am and impossible, right? So if you have the I and the M, it spells I am possible. And I decided to add the A in the beginning because, I mean, like if, I, if I write I'm possible with a, with a space, that's not something that you really see. So you need to add the A. But when I did that, I realized that it's so much more powerful because I am is really at the core of everything that you will put into action to achieve your goal. The biggest limitation in most people's lives is not knowledge. Many people say knowledge is power. Not only applied knowledge is power. And a lot of times you know what to do, but you don't do what you know. Why? Because you're standing in your own way, emotionally, mentally, and at the core are going to be beliefs. And these beliefs are deeply rooted in your identity, in your sense of beingness, in who you believe to be. This is why the question is not if something is possible or impossible. The question is, who will make the impossible possible? For who is it possible and for who is it impossible? There's a certain identity connected to the person that will make something possible. That will step outside of their comfort zone. That will overcome these emotions internally and transform. So before you look at what you need to do, which is what most people look at, or what you want to have, or the goal, it's important to look at yourself and really understand where your limitations are. Your current identity, who you believe to be, is your past. Everything that you know right now. The money that you have, the relationships that you have, the skills that you have, the languages you speak, all the experiences that you have, your character traits, all of that are a result of the past. But if you want to create the future, you need to do something right now that is different from something that you've been doing in the past. And this is where the biggest limitation is. And that's what the I Am Possible podcast is about. I'm going to share with you principles that are going to help you to shift your mindset, to shift the way you think. And that's going to enable you to change your behavior on a consistent basis to achieve your goals. Nothing changes unless you change. When you change the way you look at things, the things in your life change. 
Gandhi said, be the change you want to see in the world. And many people think that, oh, it means you need to become successful because when you have a lot of money or a lot of power or influence, then you can change something in the world. I believe he meant something completely different. Because you don't see the world as it is. You see the world as you are. And if you change, you change your perspective, you change the way you think, all of a sudden, everything that you look at changes. Something that was a problem becomes an opportunity. Something that was negative can become positive. And a lot of things that happened to you in the past, that you carry with you, a lot of these loads can be transformed. A lot of people say you can't change the past. You can only change the future. You can change the past. Because the past are just thoughts that you re replay in your brain over and over and over. And they're recreating certain emotions inside of you. But you can reformat that. You can give these things that happened a new meaning. And all of a sudden, you change the way you feel. And that's a process. And I'm going to be sharing with you practical tools that you can apply because I don't believe in theory. Theory is great. Philosophy is great. Thinking about things is great. But most people out there don't have problems because they lack information. It's because they don't implement the information. Many people read one book after another, listen to podcasts, watch videos on YouTube, talk to people. And they intellectually understand. They know what they need to do. But they still can't get themselves to take action. And this is what this podcast is about. Understanding principles, but having ways to implement them into your daily lives. And this is what I do. I'm a high performance and mindset coach. And I help entrepreneurs, business owners, freelancers, almost anyone that wants to achieve a goal. And that has the freedom to manage their own time, their own energy. Because a lot of times it's, it's, it's a gift and a curse. Many people have the freedom to do what they want to do or what they need to do in a time that they choose for themselves, but then they overthink, they procrastinate, they keep pushing things forward, have emotional ups and downs, or they just have the wrong strategies, the, the wrong structure, no routines, an environment that keeps distracting them fears, anxiety. So I coach people that have a goal into achieving that goal much faster, into unleashing the potential that they have. And I see so many people that have so much talent. They could add so much value into the world with services, ideas, products, but they're just stuck. And I help some people that have been stuck for months and sometimes years with ideas in their mind that they didn't put out into the world. And within weeks and months, they just 10x the output with the help of tools that I'm going to share with you as well here on this podcast, which brings me to the format. I'm going to be discussing topics that are very relevant, but I'm also going to give you practical exercises. I'm going to have downloads in the show notes that you can use for yourself I'm also going to be answering questions. I receive questions on a regular basis on my Instagram account, or you can ask me questions here in, on the podcast. If you give me a review on, in, on iTunes, you can just ask me questions there. I'll just pick up the best questions, and I'm going to answer them here on the podcast because I want to make this an interactive experience. This is, just, this is not a one-way street because I'm creating this content to help you to move forward. 
And what I also like to do is interview other experts in areas that are beneficial for you, entrepreneurs or successful people that I'm going to interview to understand their mindset, because that is one of the best ways to learn is to model successful people, understand how they think. Because a lot of times we see what people do, but we don't know what they think. We don't know how they feel. So we just assume and we create beliefs. So to bring us a little bit closer to the behind the scenes of successful people, it is really, really interesting to have conversations with people like that. And what I also will do is share art. I regularly write poems and rap songs about topics that are relevant to the topics that we have here on the podcast, just like the introduction, the I Am Possible podcast. I'm going to be sharing some of these poems on this podcast, and I'm also going to be explaining some of the lyrics and break them down so that these songs and these poems can become a mantra for you. And now it brings me to the question, who am I? Because we have the I am possible. So, so who am I? Now, that is an interesting question. You know, every time that you want to introduce yourself to someone and you say, I am, what do you actually do? You might say, okay, my name is Ben Watara. I'm 37 years old. I'm half from the Ivory Coast, half German. Um, and then we start to talk about, you know, where we are from, how old we are, um, our job. So I, I might say I'm a mindset coach, a high performance coach. But if you would have asked me that question five years ago, I would have told you I'm a filmmaker. If you would have asked me that question 15 years ago, I would have told you I'm a student, right? And this is what I do. But is this who I am? Is my age who I am? Is my gender who I am? Is my nationality who I am? Is my height, whether I'm overweight or that I have a six pack, is that who I am? Because that can change. So who am I really? Am I just a summary of all the memories that I have of the past? <laughs> now, this is a very almost philosophical question. But now to answer the question, you know, like about my past, um, maybe you can hear it when I speak. Some people always say, you know, you have an accent, but I can't really figure out, you know, where you're from. Um, my father is from the Ivory Coast. My mother is German and I grew up in the Ivory Coast. So my first language is actually French. Uh, went to school in the Ivory Coast until I was uh, 12 years old. Then we moved to, uh, to Brussels, to Belgium. Um, and when I was 14, moved to Germany. So half of my life, like um, I, I spoke French and then the other half, I spoke German. And I actually only learned English when I was 14, when I came to Germany. Um, yeah, that's, that's when I started to, you know, learn English, really. And uh, <laughs> I actually listened to rap music. Uh, the first album of Snoop Doggy Dog was actually how I learned to pronounce English words by repeating the rap songs and trying to imitate it. That's why I have maybe a small American accent when I speak English and not a British accent, for example. Um, but yes, watching movies and listening to music is, you know, what really helped me to develop my English. And um, yes, to my personality, when, when I grew up, uh, something that is maybe a little bit interesting is that I used to be extremely introverted and shy. Um, I was living in my own world. 
Um, I, I felt very uncomfortable talking to strangers. I, I remember that when I was at home um, and, you know, strangers would come or even when we went to visit people, I would hide behind my father and I didn't want to say hi. I didn't want to shake people's hands. And, you know, in the Ivory Coast, like the African mentality, that was a little bit rude. They were like, why is this kid, you know, like so weird? Why doesn't he want to shake our hand? You know, it's like, <laughs> they didn't really understand that. And my parents always said, yeah, you know, Ben, he's, he's really shy. And that became my personality. That became a character trait. I was shy. Everyone knew I was shy. So no one ever expected me to, to really step up to anyone or to really break the ice or <laughs> speak in front of a bigger group of people, which is very ironic because now I'm a public speaker and I speak in front of thousands of people on stage. That is something that I would never even have imagined 10 years ago even to be even doing what I'm doing right now. But that is something that I'm going to come to later. So I was very self-aware. Um, I was always worried about doing something wrong, saying something wrong, what other people would think of me. I was constantly observing my environment. And especially when we moved out of the Ivory Coast and went to Belgium and then moved to Germany, that was, you know, somewhat traumatic for me, you know, just leaving everything behind, you know, leaving all your friends, everything that you know, you come into a new environment. Now you have to adapt. Now you have a completely different language, a completely different system. You know, the same things that, you know, were valid before are not valid in this new environment. So you're constantly thrown outside of your comfort zone into a new environment. And then as soon as you start to adapt, boom, you start to get thrown into a new environment. I hated it. I hated it. I was complaining um, and, 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 and I didn't want this experience. You know, I was, I was really resenting this experience. Now I'm so thankful for it because it really helped me to adapt to new environments. I mean, I speak five languages now, which is a high advantage uh, nowadays. Um, it, it helped me to really understand different cultures, different mindsets. I mean, I have so many advantages from what happened in my childhood. But when I was young, it was really tough. And it was something that, especially because I was very shy, was an extra burden because now I was the only dark-skinned kid in this, the whole entire school, even in the whole city. I mean, like we were the only family that, you know, my, my sister, my dad, and that's it, you know. And um, that was very, very um, difficult to hide, let's say. You know, my, my main objective in life was to not be seen, to hide. I don't want no attention on me. I don't want no eyeballs on me because I was self-aware. I, I, was, I, I wasn't self-confident. I, I always felt inadequate. And um, yeah, that's something that I, I, I kind of always had in me. Um, even later on, I mean, I started to adapt. Um, I, I, I studied everyone around me. That was my thing. I modeled people. That's something that I did from a very young age. I came into a new environment and I just started to observe people, people who were cool, people who were socially accepted, um, people who were funny. And I just copied them the way they were dressing, the way they were moving, the way they were speaking. I, I was even imitating them at times. And that is really a skill that um, I held on to. And that's actually, um, how can I say, intuitively, uh, a technique that I was using to step into the beingness of someone else to integrate it into my own personality. And that's something that I use to this day because you can fake it. You know, when they say fake it till you make it, it's not about faking it to other people. You can fake it to yourself. Anything that we learn as children, we imitate. We imitate adults around us speaking. No one taught you how to speak. 
You just adapt it. You just observe the environment. You repeat what people are you know, saying, and then all of a sudden you can speak. None of you can remember the first language that you learned. So almost everything is copy-paste. But at a certain point, we get stuck into who we believe we are. And if we see someone else who's behaving differently, we're like, yeah, this person is different. I can't do that. That's not me. So then we keep repeating the cycle. And we usually have an environment of people that are similar to us or that know us and accept us the way we are. And then we don't have to change until we have a goal that might force us to get outside of our comfort zone. And now we're stuck in that identity. We're like, oh, I know I need to do this, but I can't do that. So somehow life forced me to step outside of my comfort zone, which is what will happen for many people. Many people only change when they have to. But now how can you be proactive about these things? That's also something that I've learned later on because when I was younger, honestly, all the changes that, that, that I've created inside of my own personality were because I was forced, because I had no other choice. It was kind of a you know, survival mechanism. But it taught me to, I wouldn't even say taught me, I realized that it was possible to change. I was just like, huh. I became more open. I still had resistance in me, you know? So let's just say when I was, you know, like I was a teenager or my early 20s, I was cool, let's say, quote unquote, cool. So I wasn't, you know, approaching people or speaking to people. Like if, if I would come into a room, I wouldn't approach anyone. But not because I was shy. Now it, it, it was because I was too cool to talk to you. You know, that was my excuse for not walking up to people, for not risking rejection. Because that was my biggest fear, risking rejection, being inadequate. If I'm in an environment long enough that I know the rules, that I understand, that I know everyone, then I started to feel more comfortable. But if I didn't have that, I wouldn't, I wouldn't dare. I wouldn't dare to do anything that might make me look bad or that might be embarrassing or where I could, you know, risk rejection. So something very interesting happened. You know, I mean, I went to school and I studied and I mean, you know, when I was younger, I never really knew exactly what I wanted to do. Um, I, was, I was kind of living from day to day and, you know, from year to year. I, I went to art an art academy because I was always, you know, very artistic. I was interested in, um, in art in general, but especially in drawing and later on in visual communication. So I did studies in uh, art academy in Holland and um, yeah, did video production. And then I got into filmmaking, you know, that, that was kind of a bridge there. And, and while I was um, a student on that university, um, I was an apprentice in, uh, in a city in, in Germany, in Hamburg. That's, that's where the name hamburger comes from, actually. I just thought about that. Random thought. <laughs> in Hamburg. And I was working with, um, with a director in Hamburg. And he was um, a director for um, commercials. And he was, he, was, he was one of the more successful directors in Germany. And I was his, his apprentice. Now, when I was, when I was there, two, two very interesting things happened. Um, one was... This, this, this director he actually challenged me because we were on a set and on that set, there were like the top people in the, in the film industry, in that business, you know, like uh, in, in the whole, from, from the whole country, were on set. And there were big productions. And I was there and I was just observing. 
I was just standing there. I wasn't talking to anyone. I wasn't networking. I wasn't making any connections. I wasn't even asking people questions just to learn about the craft. I was just observing. I was, I was so afraid to do the wrong thing, to say the wrong thing. I didn't want to disturb anyone. I, I was, you know, so I just stood back and I was just observing from afar, like a tourist on set. And um, and that happened a couple of times. And then there was like um, there was like a film party. They had like a you know like a, one of the agencies had like a party, um, and it just invited you know a lot of people you know, from, from the, from the whole industry. And we were there and then, you know, I, I was, I was chilling a little bit and I was drinking and, and then I got a little bit more loose and then I was just vibing with everyone, you know, cause even if you're shy, even if you're more introverted, you will have moments where you slip out of that role, you know, especially if you drink and then you just become a little more loose. You don't care too much about what people say. And you just, you just let go a little bit. And I was the life of the party. I remember I had, I used to have like a big Afro <laughs> and I was dancing, I was connecting to people, I was talking to everyone and, you know, I was just having fun. And sometimes you, you just get into that momentum, you know, because you get energy from a couple of people and that energy spreads and, you know, you walk up to a new person that you didn't even see, but you carry on that energy from the situation before. And it's just like, it's a vibe. Like sometimes, you know, people experience that when they're on vacation or it's just, you know, you just have these moments. And then the next day you're like, oh my God, I, I, I don't believe that I did that. You know, I would never do this normally. And then you go back into your normal personality. But the day after that party, you know, the, the, the director, he, uh, he looked at me and he said, Ben, you know what? I, I got a question. Because you're really a cool guy. You know, you're, you're talented, you're smart, you're good looking, you, you have charisma, you're a nice person. But you really have to, and he said it in German, you know, he said, du musst aus dir rauskommen. So it means you, you have to step out of yourself. You have to come out of yourself if you translate it word by word. And And when I heard that, it really clicked in my brain because I always felt that I need to become someone else I, because I was a perfectionist. I was constantly judging myself. And if I wasn't 100% sure that what I would do was going to be successful, if there was a 1% chance for it to fail, I wouldn't do it. I would be in a circle of four or five people And I would know an answer to something or I would have a great idea, but I would not express it for fear that someone might think my idea is stupid. Or I was constantly playing myself down, judging myself. And I was like, I need to be smarter. I need to be better. I need to be more creative. I need to be. And then, and then you kind of in your mind, compare yourself to people that have 10, 20 years more experience. And no matter how good you are, you're never good enough. But he told me, you need to step out of yourself. Basically, when you translate it, it's, it doesn't have the same impact when you translate it. But basically, just show yourself the way you are. Just show more of you and stop holding it back because you already are. And I carried that with me for a while, obviously. I mean, we didn't have that conversation and then everything changed, you know. But it's just something that... It was a turning point when he said that. And he said, look, man, you're here. You have opportunities that are slipping by you. You can talk to some of the best camera people, you know, like script writers, the people from the agency. You can connect to everyone that's just right in front of you. You're in the same room as all these people. 
There are all these opportunities, all these connections. You can even meet friends and enhance the, the, the value of your life, of your career. But because you're stuck and you're holding back, all these opportunities are wasted. It's like they're not even there. They say, you know, a lot of people say luck is opportunity meeting preparation. Well, opportunities are there. And the problem is you might be prepared. But if you don't believe that you're good enough because you're a perfectionist, you never feel prepared. So you're never lucky. It's true. If, 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 you don't, if you don't have no preparation, if you don't have no talents, if, if you don't know anything about, then, I mean, okay, then you might have to go back into the lab and build something. But, but that's the problem when you don't believe in yourself and when you have that, that low self-image. It didn't matter how, how much better I got, how much cooler I got, how much funnier I got, how much more skills I developed in my mind. I was still the shy, introverted child. And I was 6'4", weighing 210 pounds. You know, I'm a very big, muscular guy. But in my mind, I still saw myself inadequate, which no one from the outside saw, by the way. A lot of people, you know, they, they thought, oh, he's just calm, you know, or he's just cool. I like to have that label, cool. But another thing happened exactly during that same period, which changed my life. I met an uncle of mine um, who he used to live in, uh, in the United States because we grew up in the Ivory Coast and we were in Germany. So I never met him. That was the first time that I met him. I think I was like 22 or 23. And um, I saw him. He was with my dad. He had like a meeting with my dad and they happened to be in Hamburg because my dad had a meeting there. And so, you know, he, he introduced us and I sat down with him for like, I don't know, like 30 minutes. And he asked me a couple of questions and, you know, he, he didn't know me. I mean, I never, I never saw this man before. And we just sitting down and he just asked me a couple of questions. And then I didn't know it back then, but he was coaching me. And he asked me specific questions. I gave him some answers and it, it was like he was looking through me. And he told me things about myself that I didn't even have realized. And, um... I was just like, I was, I was blown away, you know, and, and I asked them, how do you, you know, like, how do you know all of this? And, you know, one thing besides the questions he asked me and the way he could break down my personality so easily was his own energy. He was so confident. He didn't hesitate for one second. And he just felt like so sure of himself. And, and, and I just felt that energy and I was like, man, how does he do that? Because in my mind, I always observe people and I observe people and I want to model them and I want to copy them. Every time I saw someone in my environment that I just, I just needed to understand, I could imitate people, even though I couldn't grasp the essence completely. But I asked him, I said, how do you, how did you learn to be like, how did you learn this? And he looked at me and he said, that is a very, very wise question because you don't assume that this is just my personality, this is just how I am. You ask me how I learned it. That question implies that it's a skill that is learnable, and if I learned it, you can learn it as well. And you're right. It is a skill. It is learnable. So I asked him a couple of questions. We didn't have that much time, and he said, look, give me your email address. I'm going to send you a list of books, a list of authors that you need to study, that you need to look at, that you need to learn, that you need to read. 
and then you will understand more about the skill. And he sent me a list. And that list changed my life because I was never introduced to the topics of personal development before. I mean, we're talking about a time, when was that? Maybe 2004, 2005. There was no YouTube. There was no, I mean, we had internet, but it's not like, you, you know, you could find things like now. Nowadays, it's just, a, I feel like there's an overload of information. I've never heard of NLP, personal development, neuroscience, Anthony Robbins, Brian Tracy, Zig Ziglar. I mean, I started to immerse myself in this content and I was just like, wow, this is going to change my life. I studied this content and um, the, first, the first one that, that I really uh, was obsessed by was Anthony Robbins. Like when, when I discovered Anthony Robbins, that just changed my life. Like personal power, get the edge, time of your life. I mean, all these, all these uh, programs, I did them like 10 times in a row. And Brian Tracy, like Tony Robbins and Brian Tracy, Zig Ziglar, these was like, these were like the, you know, like the foundation. I mean, anyone that has come across personal development, everyone has like this one book, whether it's personal development or spirituality, where you just like this one thing that, it just changed the way you looked at the world. Like I said, if you want to change the world, start by changing yourself. And in these audiobooks and, and programs and books were the keys to unlocking a new identity and to understanding the lies that I've been telling myself all these years about myself. I mean, when I say I studied it, I didn't just read the content. I really started to apply everything. Every exercise I did. I went out. I didn't have many people in my environment that, that understood this. I mean, I, shared, I tried to share it with a couple of my friends, but they were like laughing at me because I'm listening to audio tapes. Now, funny enough, now a lot of these people that used to laugh at me are now completely into mindset and personal development and spirituality. But back then... You know, it wasn't a common thing. And I was really immersing myself in this content and learning everything and understanding it and, and even trying to explain it to others. But somehow, I was still very unsatisfied with my life. Like, I could here and there apply it. And, you know, I was a freelancer in Germany and I was, I was doing my thing. But I was, you know, it was still a lot of theory. It was still a lot of... I understand it, but somehow, you know, like I don't apply it on my life in, in, on a very big level. Hmm. Fast forward a couple of years, like three, four years later, I had a very interesting job as a flight carrier. That is the, the craziest job that I've ever had in my life. I, never, I, I didn't have many jobs. I had like once a job at a, in a call center, an Apple call center when I was a student and, you know, I had like summer jobs, but I, never, I was never an employee in any company. But this is something that I came across because a friend of mine was a flight carrier and she told me about it. And maybe you're asking yourself, what is a flight carrier? <laughs> that was exactly the same question that I asked. And it was something that I thought that I'm just going to do on the side, you know, because it's exciting. Basically, I'm just going to explain the first job that I had just so you get an idea. There was a cheese factory in Rwanda. 
in Africa. And um, they had like a big machine and they had a piece that was missing or that, that was defect, like a big fan. And that fan is made in Belgium. And if they would just go the normal route to order it in that factory in Belgium with the weekend, with delays, with customs, it might take a week for them to receive it. But that would also mean that for one week, that machine is not running and they would lose a lot of money. So they hire a company that you know has a carrier that goes to the factory in Belgium, picks up the piece, brings it to the airport, and then I'm waiting at the airport because then I'm the flight carrier. I take that, check into a plane, direction Rwanda, and you know I check in the luggage, oversized luggage, and I just bring it. So they will have it in less than 24 hours. And that's express delivery, the fastest way possible. Someone goes, picks it up. Sometimes people, you know, have like special documents or a laptop or pieces and chips. And I mean, like I, I delivered everything, like literally like the, the craziest things. Like, But that was the job. And what was exciting about it was that you are, um, you need to make a decision the same exact day. So sometimes you just get a call. And I, I saved the name of uh, of the guy who who called me from that company as Fly Around the World. That was the that was the name that popped up on my screen. Fly Around the World, and and then you pick up the phone, and they're like, "You, uh, we need someone to deliver something to Mexico, and we need to leave in five hours. Are you available?" And if you say no, they they just call someone else. If you say yes, you have to pack your things and go to the airport and fly. So you wake up in the morning, and you might not know that you know, in the evening, you're in a completely different continent. That was crazy. I did that for a little bit over a year. And man, I, I think I was in like over 70 countries um, in that year. And that was life changing. That was literally my window to the world. And um, when I was, you know, like doing that job, in the beginning, I said, I'm just going to do it like once a month, maybe. <laughs> it became like a drug. Every time they called me, I was so excited, like, oh, I was never in that country. Oh, I was never there. Oh, yeah, I'm going. Like, it, it wasn't even, like, <laughs> it wasn't even about the money. Like, yeah, the money was okay, you know? You don't really make that much money as a flight carrier. But um, it was just an experience. Like, it's crazy. It, it is a once-in-a-lifetime experience that to just come into, you know, to just go to places that you'd, you'd never visit. And a side effect of that was that I spent a lot of time alone. Because one of the elements that still held me back, even though I was learning a lot of the content, was my environment. I was still going to the same places. I was still hanging out with the same people. And there was still the same limiting mindsets, the same lack. But as a flight carrier, I was 70% of the time out of the country. And when I was there, I was just, you know, jet lagged all the time, sleeping, you know. So I didn't really... I didn't really spend much time with people in my old environment. And I was the whole time by myself. I was either in a plane, in a hotel room, in a train, or in a car. Because sometimes, you know, when you land, you have to rent a car and then deliver it to the factory directly. Sometimes you have a broker that comes to the airport and picks it up. So I was just spending time by myself and going through all the principles over and over and over. And I was listening to these tapes. I was watching videos. I was reading the book. I was writing down notes. I was studying it. And I was constantly asking myself these questions in my mind. And, and every time I came to a new place, like in, in the first two, three months, I realized like, I'm not really 
uh, using the opportunities that are in front of me. You know, sometimes I come to a country and I'm staying there for like three, four days because they never really booked the flight back right directly the same day because it's more expensive because it's a last minute flight that they book. So a lot of times you stay somewhere for like four or five days, you know. And I was like, I don't have enough time to, to, um, to contact anyone and to plan. And when I'm somewhere else, I don't know anyone. I can go out, but, you know, there's not really much to do. And we didn't have social media back then like now. But what we had, I used. We, we had already Facebook. There was Facebook. There was Xing. I think there was LinkedIn. I'm not sure. But I just used the tools and people that I knew. And every time that um, I found out that I need to fly somewhere, by the way, I always had two suitcases, one for uh, warm weather and one, one for cold weather. So I didn't have to pack my suitcase. And I was already like, okay, I take this suitcase. <laughs> and um, so I always, you know, message everyone that I knew and said, do you know anyone? That is in Japan or in Mexico or whatever, in Atlanta. And then, you know, I would always get replies. Not always, but most of the times, oh, yeah, I know someone that I went to school with that now lives there. Oh, yeah, uh, the cousin of my, si my sister is there or whatever, the husband of... So I got connected to people randomly all over the world, and I messaged everyone. I really started to shift this mindset of, being an introvert, I this I changed completely. I use introversion and extroversion as, as tools, but I'm not shy anymore. And that is something that I worked on. I completely transformed that. I decided that I'm going to be the person that's going to go into, come, that's going to come into a room and that's just going to look everyone in the eye, say hi, and, you know, raise the energy vibration of people who are in that room. That was like a mantra that I told myself. That is an affirmation that I said. That's an intention that I said for myself. Not what I want to do, but who I want to be. So I just traveled the world and started meeting people everywhere. And it was so interesting. I met people that I would never have met before if I didn't do that. And that's how you discover, you, you, you know, first of all, stories, incredible stories, amazing people, old, young, you know, from all different cultures, backgrounds, and, you know, you learn so much. And by doing that, I also came to Dubai, where I live now. And, and, and that, was, uh, that was very interesting because I came here, I stayed for like a week, then I extended I stayed for, my Dubai story is a story for a complete podcast episode. Like I can actually break it down in like four or five episodes because <laughs> there's so much that happened. But basically, I had the opportunity to come to Dubai um, and to start a company with a business partner. And the problem was that I didn't really have much money saved up. Um, you know, as a flight carrier, I was just, you know, really experiencing life and, you know, my, my financial mindset was not really, my financial intelligence was not really high and, um, I didn't have any money stuff, you know, saved up. I, I had like a thousand euros on the side and that's it. And it wasn't even enough money for me to pay for the flight and the trade license. Cause I needed to, um, I needed to get a visa, not the trade license, but I need to get a visa, um, you know, for three, three years for the company and uh, that plus the, um, the flight, I didn't have enough. And I said, ah, you know, what am I going to do? And, and you know what? I just took a leap of faith. <laughs> it's funny because, um, you know, as a flight carrier, you, you get paid, you know, um, for, for, for the job that you do. And the company, sometimes they receive offers that are not as lucrative for them. So they don't really, um, you know, take any job. 
But, you know, I told them, if you have any flight that goes in direction of Dubai, because Dubai is, you know, like, uh, is a connecting point for many countries in, in Asia and in Africa. So, you, you know, if you come from Europe, you, you, a lot of the countries that you need to go to, you'll, you'll fly over Dubai. So I said, you know, if you have anything that goes direction to Dubai, let me know and I'll do the job for free. Because then, you know, they, they pay for my flight. So I don't have to pay for the flight ticket and I have enough money for, for, my, for my visa. And, and, I, and I said, you know, to myself, okay, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing here. But if they call me in a month, because I didn't really have, you know, flights to Dubai that regularly, you know. So I was like, it might be that they call me in two months and say, hey, we have a flight. Or they might call me tomorrow and say, okay, you know, and, and I said, you know what, if they call me tomorrow, I just leave tomorrow. That's it. Like, what do I have to lose? Worst case scenario, I can always call someone up. If, if, if I have no money and I don't even know where to stay, I call someone up and say, please book me a ticket. And I come back, I sleep on, you know, some friend's couch and, you know, I can always, I can always come back up. You know, there's not, you know, there's nothing to lose. I only gain experience. And they called me back two days later and said, we have a flight to Qatar, you know, we fly over Dubai. So do you want to take it? I said, yes. And the rest is history. I've been in Dubai ever since. <laughs> but um, that has been an incredible journey being here in Dubai because uh, there were a lot of ups and downs. And this is where I really applied all the principles that I've learned. Because when everything is good, when everything works, you don't have to, you, you, you don't even know if you have the right mindset. It's when shit hits the fan that you really test yourself and your ability to stay emotionally stable, to keep doing what you need to do to achieve your goal. And um, this is what happened. Like after a year of being here, um, yeah, what, what I imagined the partnership would be like in the first company was not exactly how I imagined it. Um, so, you know, my ex-business partner and me, we decided to, you know, go separate ways. I stepped out, you know, he continued with the company. I stepped out of the company and I said, you know what, I'm going to do my own thing. But when I stepped out, I stepped out with nothing. And again, I was back at square one. You know, and uh, for one year, you know, almost a year, let's say it was like nine months, actually. It was not really a year. Um, and uh, the company was in Abu Dhabi. So I was living in Dubai, but Abu Dhabi is like an hour drive. But we were basically commuting back and forth, back and forth and, you know, leaving super early, coming back super late. So I didn't really spend that much time in Dubai. I didn't really know too many people in Dubai. And I had I had a friend of mine who was a. Uh, who's a pilot at Emirates Airlines. And he, you know, he told me, hey, you know, have a guest bedroom. If you want, you can stay here. And I was so thankful to him. I'll say, yo, thank you so much. And, you know, I stayed at his place. But for the first, I'd say two, three weeks, I was really down. You know, I was like, and, and you know, that was, uh, again, like a, a, a real big turning point because, a lot of times you, you know, you understand principles, but in the moment where you need to apply them, you don't realize what you're doing to yourself. I was putting myself down so much. You know, I was, I was, you know, like cursing out my business partner, 
blaming everyone, you know, if this person didn't do that, if I didn't listen to this person and that shouldn't have happened and this and that, and I have nothing, I'm back at square one, like I don't have no money, I don't have no contact, I don't have this and everything is, you know, and then um, I was just like, and, and I was also, um, you know, in a relationship, I, you know, met a girl and then she broke up with me and she said, you know what, you're, you're not financially stable. So, you know, I don't want to be with a man with like you that, you know, it's not financially stable. I mean, like in every area, of my life, I felt broke. I was even, you know, I was even like for my standards overweight, you know, because, uh, you know, like for six months, I didn't really, you know, go to the gym and I was constantly stopping at McDonald's because we were working late. I, I like to, to, to work in that, that company for that, you know, like nine months prior to that took a toll on my health. And I was just like, I felt broke in every area for my business financially, relationship, friendships, network, health, uh, <laughs> energy, <laughs> you know, confidence, everything was at the lowest. And, you know, I, I was, um, I was really contemplating going back to Germany. I was like, you know what, that's it. You know, like, I mean, I tried, I came here, I tried, it didn't work out. You know, it's just, it's just going to be too difficult. Like I don't have nothing. I have no money. And, you know, I, I heard one, um, one principle in the very beginning when I studied personal development and mindset where, you know, I was, I was really studying, you know, emotions and how emotions are created and that emotions are created by your thoughts and your thoughts are just questions you ask yourself in your own mind and judgments that you have about a situation. So it's never the situation is always how you judge the situation. So I believe you are always one question away from changing your life, from changing your reality. Because the questions you ask yourself in your mind have an impact on the quality of your thoughts. The quality of your thoughts have an impact on the quality of your emotions. That has an impact on your actions and your actions have an impact on your results and your results repeatedly are your life. So I looked at the questions I was asking myself. I sat down and I really, you know, wrote everything on a piece of paper because I was going into full depression mode. I was like two or three weeks in, I was just watching Netflix episodes one after the other. I remember I was watching Spartacus on Netflix um, and I was just feeling sorry for myself. I was eating pizza and, you know, cereals and, you know, not doing anything. I wasn't calling anyone. I wasn't going out. I wasn't trying to change anything because I just felt like a loser. The, the, the only thing that held me back from going back to Germany is the, I didn't want to give the people that told me, I mean, you're going to Dubai without any money. What are you thinking? You're a dreamer. You're going to be right back here in a couple of months. I had many people that told me that. And I didn't want to give them the satisfaction to be right. So that's why that was one motivation. It was, it was ego, but it, it, it held me back from, from, um, yeah, from just giving up. But I still didn't, didn't find the energy in myself to, to move forward. I was just crushed. And then, you know, like I, I really took a piece of paper. I started to write things down. I started to write, you know, my thoughts down. 
And, and first of all, I realized that I'm blaming everyone, but I'm not taking responsibility. So obviously I will feel like a victim. So one question that I ask myself is, what am I responsible for? And, and as soon as I started to write that down, I started to realize the mistakes that I've made when it came to contracts, when it came to trusting certain people, when it came to communications, when it came to preparing and putting money to the side. And there's so many, so many points where I was blaming everyone else for the situation I was in. But I was like, okay, hold on. Now I can actually learn something. Then a big one was I have nothing. I'm again at square one. I have nothing. And I ask myself, is that really true? What do I have? And I have a list of questions that I ask myself. I call them power questions because they put you into power. And I developed many over the past years. But the first power question that I had was, what's good about this? Because I was constantly complaining and I was looking at everything that I didn't have, that I shouldn't have done, and things that I can't impact anymore because they're in the past, not taking responsibility. And it's almost like someone asked me, what's negative about everything right now? And I said, this is negative, this is negative, this is okay. But what's good about this? What's good right now? What is positive right now? And first I had a little bit of resistance, but I sat on this question for a while. I said, what's good right now? What's good about this? And then I started to write down. It's like, you know what? I'm, I'm thankful that a couple of things happened now and not in a year or two because I would have had invested even more energy into something that would have ended. Now I understand more. When, when I came here nine months ago, I didn't know anyone. I didn't understand the industry. I didn't you know, know about the prices, about structures, about contracts. There's so many information, so, so much knowledge that I gain. I speak five languages. I'm, you know, healthy. I can go out, you know, like I'm, 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 I'm really open. It's, it's easy for me to meet people, to talk to people. I'm very good at what I do. And I started to take an inventory of everything that was positive. I didn't know many people. But who did I know? I started to make a list of everyone that I met in the past nine months. I started to messaging people, calling people up. I said, okay, I'm going to make meetings. I went out immediately. Like when I, when I was done with that list, I stepped out because I remembered that phys physiology has a big impact on how you feel. I threw away everything that I was eating. Like I bought like a bunch of junk food. I threw everything away. I went out. And I went to the beach because thank God here in Dubai, we have the beach. I went to the beach and I started just running and working out on the beach and doing push-ups and visualizing. And, and, and I just, you know, I just stepped back into power. Now, the thing is that nothing had changed in my external reality. Everything was exactly the same. The same opportunities, the same challenges. The same negative elements that I was seeing before were there. But because I changed my perspective inside of me, 
I asked myself better questions, my emotions changed, and I was all of a sudden behaving completely differently. It affected my beingness, how I saw myself. Be the change you want to see in the world means that when you change, the world changes. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. You create your own reality with your thoughts, with the perspectives that you have. And that was one of the, the strongest moments, the, the biggest tipping points of my life where, where I really applied now these tools that I've learned in a situation where I, I really felt like with my back against the wall. And I mean, it didn't happen from one day to the next, but within nine months again, I don't know what about this nine month like. <laughs> it took me about nine months, let's say eight to nine months to really, you know, like build myself back up, put enough money on the side to start my own company and, you know, to get an apartment. So I was, I was almost like you could say, quote unquote, homeless in Dubai for like eight to nine months. I was sleeping on people's couches. I had so many people that supported me, that helped me, and I'm so thankful to that. And, you know, like during that time, I, you know, I really, I really met incredible people. And um, a lot of them that I'm still really, you know, really connected to right now. I mean, many people don't live in Dubai anymore because Dubai is a transit place. You have a lot of people from all over the world that come to Dubai. Some stay here for two or three years and they leave and some other people come. So it's a very vibrant and dynamic city. So, you know, I started, you know, like I built up my, my company. I, I did, you know, work with the biggest companies here, you know, MasterCard, McDonald's and, uh, you know, the government of Dubai. And, you know, it was it was really it was really amazing. Um, and, and I had a lot of fun. But with time. I started to uh, realize that I was good at what I was doing. It was working, but I wasn't fulfilled. Something was missing. And what's interesting is that the year that I moved to Dubai, I was working on a project in Germany that, um, well, the whole project was about um, doing portraits, video portraits of Germans, but with migration background. So meaning that, you know, they were maybe like Turkish or African or Syrian or, you know, Iranian that are living in Germany, Germans, but they don't look German, but they're not really represented in the media because most of the times you see you know people uh that are criminal or not really integrated they've been living in germany for 20 years still don't speak the language you always have the negative examples that are put to the forefront but this project was about showing the you know the artists the the lawyers the doctors the entrepreneurs the successful people with migration background as role models for the youth because a lot of the young kids, you know, Turkish and, and, and African and, you know, like they come all of, from, from all over the world. A lot of times they, they just identify with who they see in movies and in the media. And then they think that, you know, they can either become a soccer player, a, a rapper or a drug dealer, or they just have like a lot of negative influence, neg negative role models. So that project was about creating positive role models in, in form of port portraits and just interview these people. And I was, a, I was a director of that project. And a woman told me, do one video of yourself. You're very interesting. You have a lot to say. Just make one video where you share, you know, your story and, and, and your thoughts. I said, okay. 
So I did that video and um, uploaded it to YouTube. Back then, that was 2000 and, 2000 and, uh, 2012. So you didn't really have that many videos on YouTube. YouTube wasn't what it is right now. I actually just uploaded it to YouTube just so I, you know, to have like a link to send it to people per email. I didn't really, you know, send it to too many people. And after like three to four years, that video went viral. Like people started to share it on Facebook and, you know, just got more and more views on YouTube, but mainly on Facebook. People downloaded the video and re-uploaded it and, and, you know, chopped it up in different pieces. And sometimes people would tag me in that video. And it said, you know, a lot of the principles that I've learned, you know, like the motivation and the mindset principles were, you know, like uh, strongly represented in that video. And, and I shared poetry and rap and, you know, like the, I just did me, you know, I didn't really expect, I, I thought maybe like a hundred kids are going to see that video. I didn't really expect many people to see that. And the video got a couple million views from all the videos that were like uploaded and, and people started to add me on, on Facebook and message me and write me emails and ask me questions and said, Hey, can you, can you coach me or do, can you write a book or can you make a podcast? And can you, and I, and I was overwhelmed by the reaction. It came out of nowhere for me. And that was the time where, you know, more and more people were starting to become social media influencers and you know that now Instagram came up and you know, like the social media just, a new, new opportunity started to open up and I observed it. And the more I observed it, the more I felt like this is what I want to do. I've learned so much and I've mastered so many of these tools and here and there I've been coaching people, but that's really what I want to be the message that I bring into the world. Like I'm putting all my creativity and all my energy into video projects that I'm thankful for. And, and, and I really enjoyed it when I was doing it. But it's like, honestly, like I'm doing videos that sometimes are shown at one event where you have like 3,000 people as an intro video. And that's it. That video is never seen again. Or it's a commercial that's put on TV for products or messages that I don't really represent. And I'm like, do I really want to do this for the next 20, 30 years of my life? Or do I want to put all my energy, my time, my creativity, my passion into something that I believe is going to help other people to really put their magic into the world? And it's going to enable me to learn even more because one of the biggest benefits from sharing what you've learned is that you repeat it for yourself. Every time that I coach someone, that I'm on stage, that I shoot a video, that I record a podcast, I'm deepening my understanding of a topic. So I profit 100x from sharing content. And obviously I had a lot of resistance because I was like, oh, I have my company now. And, you know, I, I understand this, what I'm doing right now. But what I want to do, I don't understand. I don't know. I'm going to start doing videos and podcasts or whatever. And, and how can I make money from this? How can I really, you know, achieve anything? You know, like, can I become successful? Am I ready? Am I good enough? And then the voice in my mind started again. And then I wrote the poem, I Am Possible. I'll never forget it. It's, it's the first poem that I ever wrote in English, because before that, I was only writing um, songs and poems in German. And I sat down 
And I wrote the whole poem in like an hour. And, and when I read it, it was almost like that message was for me. It's like I was speaking to myself. I spent years in the shadow, doubted myself. And no one came to my rescue when I shouted for help. I always knew what to do, but I didn't do what I knew. Today I win or I win because I got nothing to lose. I decided that day, that day that I wrote this poem, I decided this is what I'm going to do. I don't know how, but I know that this is what I'm going to do. I decided I'm not going to film any more video. I'm closing down my company. I don't want to, um, to start something on the side. Because for me, I, I know that when I have to, when I have no other choice, this is when I'm going to make the impossible possible. Because as soon as I, I start this side thing and I hold on to the old, it's because I kind of still have doubts. So I just cut everything off and I said, I'm going to do this. Downgraded everything, was living in a villa. I sold my car, you know, moved from a villa to an apartment and, you know, said, hey, you know, I, I just got to uh, expect that this is going to take some time, you know, for me to figure everything out because I didn't know anything. I didn't know anything about, you know, the, the, the business as a speaker, as a coach, as a, you know, and, and, and I just went out, started to contact everyone that I could find that was a speaker and immediately started, immediately started. I started a podcast. I started in German because so many people already knew me in Germany because of that video that went viral. So I started in Germany, started doing workshops, had a podcast. My podcast went to number one, like uh, last year, I hit 1 million downloads on my podcast. I'm so thankful for the whole experience and um, started a company, really started to build this up. And um, yeah, it took me about a year to really understand the direction to understand marketing, because it's not only about being a great coach and helping people to get results. People need to also know who you are. You need to build a brand. You need the marketing. You need a strategy. You need a structure. You need a system. It's a business at the end of the day. And that's what I needed to figure out. And at the same time, obviously, become a good speaker. I mean, three years ago was the first time that I was ever on a stage speaking in front of people. <laughs> so that is something that I had to develop, and I did that. And now I'm one of the top mindset coaches in Germany. And, you know, what, what really fulfills me is that I'm able to enable so many people to step into their power. I have every single week people with breakthroughs People who are doubling, tripling, quadrupling their income. But not only that, it's the sense of pride that I see in the eyes of people that sometimes come to me and they're frustrated and they're down and they're like, ah, oh, you know, I can't go on like this. And I recognize myself because I was so limited in so many ways. And it doesn't matter how talented you are, how many opportunities you have, how great your idea is. 
If you are standing in your own way, you are that handbrake on that Lamborghini. It doesn't matter how much you push that gas pedal, you're not moving forward. And this is what the I Am Possible podcast is about. I consider myself a student of life. I keep learning. I keep growing. And as I'm sharing the content, as I'm coaching, as I'm speaking about these tools, I'm still learning. I'm still developing. I'm still finding out my own limitations every time that I go to the next step. And I believe that everyone that thinks that they've reached a point where they know everything is when they will start losing. You either grow or you die. And I believe that as long as you're on this planet, you'll never stop to learn and you'll never stop to grow. And this is what makes this journey so interesting. Any game that you have, whether it's a computer game or a board game or whatever, if it's too easy and you can reach the end fast, it's boring. But if it's challenging, if we have obstacles that we don't know how to overcome until we become the version of ourselves that can overcome them, then it becomes exciting. See, every time that you had a big challenge and you were successful, how proud were you? And many things that you do that don't challenge you at all, you don't even acknowledge these things. You don't even realize that certain things happen. There are certain things that might have been challenging for you 10 years ago, but because you developed that skill, it's easy for you now. You don't even perceive these things anymore. A lot of times we don't want these challenges in our lives. But these challenges and these obstacles in our lives are our biggest teachers. And if we learn to look at them as teachers, we would want more of them in our lives. And this is why I keep challenging myself over and over. I always try to get to the next level. And I face my fears and my demons and my limitations on a regular basis. But because I have a tool set, I'm looking forward to these challenges. I'm looking forward to them. It's not always easy, but not everything that feels good is good for you. And not everything that feels bad is bad for you. A lot of things that feel good right now are actually bad in the long term. And a lot of things that feel bad right now are good in the long term. Just like when you're working out and that pain, that burn, you can learn to love it once you reach a certain level. And I want to help you to ignite that same flame in certain areas of your life where it's right now a little bit dim. This is what the I Am Possible podcast is about. It's about growth. It's about challenging the sense of identity that you have. It's about challenging your limitations, your comfort zone. To become a new version of yourself. To look at the world from the perspective and the eyes of this new version of yourself. So one line in the podcast is going to be the line where I'm going to be closing every episode with as a reminder, because it's all about growing. It's all about learning. So I'll close this episode by saying, until you stop breathing, 
never stop to grow. And keep telling yourself, I am possible. possible.